the Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. It is April 13, 2017, and I'm very glad you took the time out of your schedule to tune in to the program today. I have a very special program, and I want to jump right into it. But I do want you to remember to stay tuned for the end of the program. I'm going to be giving you some updates. Number one, on the Fundly fundraiser that I had. Number two, there's some exciting changes on the horizon coming soon. And I want to talk about that. And then lastly, I want to encourage people to sign up for my free e-newsletter, which is coming out Monday. That's right. It's coming out on Monday. So make sure you are signed up. Just go to weekendvigilante.com. And while you're there, go to the top right-hand side and subscribe to me on YouTube as there'll be some exclusive interviews coming that are only going to be available on YouTube. So do become a subscriber today. Follow me on Twitter and like my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page. All my social media icons are at the top right-hand corner on the pink bar. You can't miss. Top right on the pink bar. Those little social media icons are there. So do that. Well, I want to jump right into the show. My guest is John Terrell on a very important subject. I'm calling today's show... Easter Origins. Do we have it right? And we're going to jump right into it. John Terrell, welcome to the program. I'm going to hand you the mic, sir. Thank you for having me on. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to deal with three things today. We're going to talk about the Passover week as the Jews celebrated it. We're going to look upon the account of the Passover week as we find it in the New Testament. And then at the end, I'm going to address the pagan Easter, which was actually the resurrection of Tammuz, that was called Easter. So we have actually three events here in one week. So let me begin talking about the Jewish Passover. We do know this, that Jesus was crucified on the Passover week. This is when it took place. So let me give you this information here. Now, the Jewish calendar is tied to the moon and follows the lunar cycles. A Jewish year has 12 months, and because it's based on the circling of the moon, a Jewish year has 354 days with 29 and 30 days in each month. And compared with the Roman calendar we use today that follows the solar cycles of 365 days. A Jewish day begins and ends at 6 p.m., but it begins counting the daylight hours from 6 a.m. And evidence of this can be found in the four Gospels by searching third hour, sixth hours, and ninth hours. And the day in the Roman calendar begins and ends at midnight. So, in order for you to understand this, uh, let me give you this information now. The Bible talks about the first hour, the second hour, and so on. The first hour is from dawn to 8 a.m. So, when the Women came to the grave. They came between dawn and 8 a.m. The second hour is from 8 to 9. The third hour from 9 to 10. The fourth hour from 10 to 11. The fifth hour, 11 to 12. And the sixth hour, 12 to 1 p.m. 
And the Bible says that Jesus was hung on the cross on the sixth hours, which would be from noon to one. And then the ninth hour is when he gave up the ghost. That's when he simply died. His body died, which would be 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. We also have nighttime. They had the first watch, which is from sunset to 9 p.m. Second watch is 9 p.m. to midnight. And a third watch, midnight to 3 a.m. And so on. So when you read the New Testament, if you don't have this, you hear the first watch, the second watch, the ninth hour, what is it? Uh, now, if you want to have a copy of this, we have this up on our website right now. If you go to our main website, the Passover week, you will find it right there, and you can just see that for yourself. Now, let's talk about the Jewish Passover. It was not just one day. It was more than one day. Few Christians know that the Jewish Passover is currently a seven-day period in Israel and eight days for the Jews who live outside of Israel. At the time of Christ, the Jews had two names for the same festival. It was called the Feast of the Passover, or the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. So notice now we got two names here. The festival was called the Feast of the Passover, and also the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. If you read the New Testament, it talks about the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And if you're not familiar with the Passover tradition, it doesn't mean anything to you. It says, okay, so what? Now, the first month of the, in the Jewish calendar is Nisan and occurs during the month of March through April in the Roman calendar. And Nisan is a month that the Passover observed. The 30th day, which is a Tuesday of Nisan, is called the preparation day for the Passover. Notice now in the New Testament, the disciples asked Jesus, when are we going to have the Passover? But they're going to prepare. That was done on a Tuesday. And that fits right in here with the New Testament. The Passover meal is eaten after 6 p.m., which means that it is eaten on the 14th day of Nisan. From the New Testament, we know that Jesus and his disciples ate the Passover meal on Tuesday night. And we're going to look at the scriptures in a little bit. And the 14th day, Wednesday, of Nisan was called the first day of the Passover, and people worked their normal jobs during this day. So let me slow down now. So we're going to have Jesus now have the Passover meal. After the Passover meal, which was a Tuesday night, he went out into the garden of Gethsemane. And this is where he prayed, and this is where the disciples, John and Peter, and James could not stay awake. So he asked them three times, you know, can you pray with me? Then after that came the thugs or the soldiers from the high priest and arrested Jesus. So now we have Wednesday night, he was arrested. In the morning, 6 p.m., he was taken to Pilate. And by noon, they had got him sentenced, they had beaten him. And they had him up on the cross on Wednesday. So anyone that celebrates Good Friday on Friday is simply grieving the Holy Spirit. Because the, the Friday worship services that they have is from the Roman Catholic Church. If you really want to follow what happened on the Passover week, you should 
pray, seek the Lord, and grieve on Wednesday, not Friday. The 50th day, which was the Thursday of Nisan, was a feast of the unleavened bread, also known as the High Sabbath. This is now very important. So, this was the High Sabbath. And if you remember reading, we're going to read that in a little bit here. So, the priest simply said this, we do not want to have him hang on a tree on a high Sabbath. That's why they broke the legs of the thieves, because it usually took about three days for someone to die hanging on the cross. So, they broke the legs. They couldn't breathe anymore. They died quickly. They suffocated. Jesus was already, his body was already dead. So, they took the bodies down. He was in the grave Wednesday night because this is the high Sabbath the following day. So this is the week, the passive week, where you have two Sabbaths. You have the high Sabbath, which is from the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, and then you had a regular Sabbath, which is Saturday. The high Sabbath was a holy day for the Jews. No work could be done on this day. All roads and bridges leading to Jerusalem had been cleaned the day before from garbage and corpses of dead animals had been removed. All graves had been whitewashed so that the pilgrims come to Jerusalem would not be defiled. Now remember, Jesus spoke about, you know, whitewashed graves. We have this in Matthew chapter 23. And he talked about inside you're full of dead bones. Well, most Christians do not know that the custom was before this high Sabbath, the day before, they had some kind of white paint or chalk and all graves, because the graves now were in caves leading into Jerusalem. They were whitewashed. That was a, a custom that they had, and most Christians do not know that. So this was the reason that Jewish leadership did not want anyone hanging on the cross on a high Sabbath. The 16th day, Friday, of Nisan was called the morrow after the Sabbath. And this was the day of the cutting of barley sheaves. The 17th day, which was Saturday, of Nisan, in the year Jesus was crucified, the regular Sabbath, Jesus rose from the dead sometime between 6 p.m. Saturday and 6 a.m. on the first day of the week, Sunday morning. So, now, let's go over here and take a look now from the New Testament and see what happened. We're going to go back now to Palm Sunday. And we find here in Matthew chapter 21, and we read here from verse number 7. And brought the ass and the colt and put on their clothes, and they set them thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and followed Christ, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitudes said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So, Sunday now, Palm Sunday, we find now he rides into Jerusalem. What did he do in Jerusalem? You find in verses 12 through 13, the same chapter, he cleansed the temple. This is when he went in, got a whip, and cleaned out the money tables, and 
kick the people out. So, again, many Christians understand what took place in the temple. Let me just give you a short history here. The Jewish leadership had a racket, and he simply said this. A Jew could not come with regular money and buy an offering, a turtle dove or whatever they want to buy, and have it sacrificed. Neither could they bring any animal. They could not bring a sheep or a turtle dove or anything like this. It has to be bought at the temple site. And they had their own cages there with all the animals, which they called clean. So they were declared clean or kosher by the Jewish priest. So the first thing they had to do when they came to the temple was to take their money and change it to temple money that was clean. And of course, there was a cut because anytime you change money, they charge your percentage. So this is the racket. So first, they charge the people money to have the money changed into temple money. They used the temple money to buy their animals where the prices were very high. So they, again, there was a big profit for the high priest. And so then the high priest was given the animals and he sacrificed it in behalf of them. And this is what Jesus went in. He was furious and he kicked over these tables. He drove these people out and he said, you made his house into a house of dens of thieves. So that what he took place on Sunday afternoon. Then in verses 14 through 16, he healed the sick. And all people that came to him, he simply healed them and he ministered to them. In the evening, this is Sunday now, he went back to Bethany, which is two miles east of Jerusalem on the east slope of Mount Olivet. Monday, in the morning, he cursed the fig tree. Now, everyone knows about Mark 11, 12 to 14, where Jesus was going into the Jerusalem. It was a fig tree and there was no fruit on it. He cursed it and it dried up. The rest of the day, on Monday, he spent it teaching in the temple. And you find this in Matthew chapter 21, 22, and Matthew 23. All these chapters here was teaching in the temple on Monday. After he'd done that on Monday night, he outlined, before he left, he outlined the future, he talked about the ten virgins, he talked about the talents, the coming of judgment, and so on. Tuesday, he came back to Jerusalem. Now, he went out back into Bethany. And Tuesday came back, they found a withered tree, and now, on Tuesday, he simply, they prepared for the Passover meal. Jesus did not do any public teaching on Tuesday. In the evening was a Passover meal after six o'clock. And that's when Jesus exposed Judas at the table. Later that night, they went to get seminar. You find this in uh, Luke 22, verses 30 36. And this is what a badly intensified for Jesus. He was praying, drops of blood came out of his skin. And during the night, Jesus was arrested. Verses 47, 56, now from Matthew 26. He was taken to court of the Jews, and this is when Peter denied him. So this is now Wednesday. 
Wednesday morning, 6 a.m., Jesus was taken to Pilate. Judas committed suicide that morning. That morning, Jesus was tried in the Roman court. Mid-morning, Jesus was sentenced and whipped at about 10 o'clock in the morning. At 12 o'clock, he was crucified. He died 3 p.m. So, why is this important? It is important because the Bible says, Jesus said himself he, had, he was going to be three days and three nights in the grave. And if you have him crucified on Friday, you have him up on Sunday morning, there's no way that you can have three days and three nights. But if you follow the New Testament events, we get exactly three days and three nights in the grave. So, let's move now on here. On the cross, Jesus declares at 3 p.m., it is finished. His body dies. Jesus did not die. His body dies. That's very important. Jesus himself went to paradise. He took with him one faith. And in paradise, he was there for three days and three nights. And he also went into Hades or hell and preached. He was not tormented. He preached in hell and came back to paradise. His body was buried. And the Bible says by his stripes, sickness was dealt with. By his blood, sin was dealt with. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, three days. Jesus was in paradise. At the Hebrew place for the dead is Sheol. It consists of two apartments, which is Hades and Paradise. The body of Jesus was in the grave from Wednesday night through Saturday. And as I said before, a Hebrew day runs from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., not from midnight to midnight like we do. Sunday, sometimes early Sunday morning, he arose. When the women came to the grave, Jesus Christ had already risen. He did not rise for the women were there. We do not know the exact hour he rose, but he was already risen. And then, of course, we had the women went back. Peter and others came and they found it. The grave was empty and uh, they realized that he was resurrected. So let me wrap this part of it up now. So the Passover week, Sunday is Palm Sunday. Monday was preaching and teaching. Tuesday night was a Passover. And Wednesday morning, he was taken to Pilate. Wednesday afternoon, he was dead. His body was dead. And he rose on Sunday. He was three days and nights in the grave. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now, if you want to celebrate, let's say that you want to, uh, to follow this. Uh, week because some people like to follow the Passover week. You can simply start Sunday by reading what what he did when he rode into the town and also the teaching he did. You can follow by looking on Tuesday night, reading about the Passover. Some people like to take the communion on, on Tuesday night, which is fine. And then comes Wednesday morning, this is when you read the scriptures, how he was manhandled and, and was, how court was doing. 
and you can simply pray and, and simply thank God you know, that he died for our sins and so on. And if you want to grieve Wednesday afternoon, you know, you can do that. I don't think we need to grieve over it. I think we should be thankful over that Jesus died on the cross for us. But I don't think that we have to grieve like the Catholic do, you know, put ashes on the face and all that kind of stuff. I don't think we need to do that. And then, of course, Sunday morning. That's when you begin to really praise the Lord. So let's talk about, about pagan conditions. I want to say one thing about sunrise services. Churches have sunrise services, and they like to have them outside. The sunrise service is occult. It's a pagan tradition, and it goes back to the worshiping of the sun god <clears throat> and also to the resurrection of Tammuz. And so people... They go to sunrise service, they you know, oh, this is great. Jesus rose in the morning, and we out there early in the morning, and so on. And they do not know that they are part of a pagan tradition. I found this out early in my life, and I stopped doing sunrise services. We just did a regular morning worship when we just simply sang our hearts out. We praised God. We were almost dancing in the aisle, if I can use that term. We were just praising God on Sunday morning and celebrating his resurrection. It is fine to celebrate his resurrection on Sunday morning. Let's talk now about the heathen part of Easter. Now, Tammuz was a son of Semiramis. And this, I'm, I'm not going to give a lot of detail here. I'm just going to give a, a general picture here. So the teaching of the pagan religion was that Semiramis was married to Nimrod, and Nimrod got killed. Nimrod became the moon god. And then after he had been killed, he came back, had sex with Semiramis, and supernaturally she conceived, got a son, and his name was Tammuz. And when Tammuz was born, when Semiramis had him, in the room where they were at, there was a piece of wood in that room, and it was an evergreen, and that sprouted. And so the Christmas tree goes back to the birth of Tammuz, when the tree sprouted in the room when Semiramis gave birth to her son, Tammuz. Now, eventually, Tammuz grew up and so on, and then he was murdered, he was killed. So now... Every year, they had to resurrect Tammuz. So they had 40 days of fasting. And the 40 days of fasting, the Roman Catholic Church called it Lent. So for your Roman Catholic friends, when you do Lent, it is a custom that comes from the worship of Tammuz. He was resurrected. Now, the resurrection of Tammuz is in conjunction with, at the same time we had a Passover, it was also what they called the Ishtar, that was a pagan holiday at that particular time. So, when you do Lent, you know what you're doing. You're simply, it's a pagan holiday, a pagan tradition where we worshiped. Let's talk about the egg now. Where in the world does the Easter egg come from? Now, the egg was a sacred symbol among the Babylonians. They believed an old fable about an egg of a wondrous size which was supposed to have fallen from heaven. 
into the Euphrates River. From this marvelous egg, according to the tradition, the goddess Astarte, also known as Easter, was hatched. And so the egg came to symbolize the goddess Easter or Astarte. From Babylon, the mother of false religion, humanity was scattered to the various parts of the earth, and with them they took the idea of the mystic egg. Now the ancient druids bore an egg at their sacred emblem of the, when they had the rituals, and they simply had on that egg a snake that was coiled around it, a serpent. The mysteries of the egg was concentrated as a part of the sermon. And so the coloring of eggs was part of this service. They also had this in Japan. They also had it in Northern Europe. This egg came from Babylon, from Astarte, from Easter, was it called. So now every church in America, and I probably have them in Canada too, you know, you have an Easter egg hunt. First, you have a sunrise service, which is a pagan occasion. Then you have a regular worship service. And after that, everybody goes out and hunt the Easter eggs and so on. And I think this is just wonderful. What you're doing is you're spitting in the eyes of Jesus Christ. He was resurrected. He had nothing to do with the sunrise service or with the eggs. This is totally pagan. Even the Jews, when you have the Passover now, the, what they call the cedar, and I had talked to some Jewish people, I said, now, why do you have eggs that you eat in that service? And they said, we don't know where the egg comes from, but we do have eggs that we have part of the Passover service, which originally was a lamb, bread, bitter herbs, and you had the different cups in the Passover. So the egg symbolized fertility, and it has penetrated into every religion, and sorry to say, into Christianity. So if you're listening, you're a parent, and uh, you, I told your child we're going to have an Easter egg hunt this coming Sunday, I would simply say this, have a second thought, and simply said, we're going to celebrate Jesus, not Ashtar or Easter. What about the rabbit? Where in the world does a rabbit come from? The rabbit also is a part of a fertility. The rabbit, the Easter egg, the Easter hare, uh, simply it comes from the past. The hare is associated with a moon in the legends of ancient Egypt and other peoples. So the fact that the Egyptian word for Um means also open and period. The hair can't be associated with the idea of periodically both junior and human and with the beginning of new life in both the young men and the young women. And so a symbol of fertility and a renewal of life. As such, the hair became linked with Easter and the eggs. Thus both Easter rabbit and the Easter egg was a symbol of sexual significance, symbols of fertility. Think about this now. When people want to sin, they really want to sin. They take the egg, which the Babylonians had, they then match it with the rabbit or the hare from Egypt, 
And here you have now the Easter bunny with a basket running around with eggs in it that he's spreading out. And then the, the little children can go and find the eggs. It's a double whammy of simply worshiping something we should not worship. Now, another custom that is closely connected with the Easter season is the baking and eating of the cross buns. Now, I'm sure that a lot of you had cross buns. Again, this appears at first glance to be a Christian custom because of the shape and making of the buns, the cross. But as we've seen earlier, the cross symbol is not a Christian symbol that was used before. The cross is something Jesus was on. But the symbol of the cross was used by pagans prior to Jesus. And actually, the cross buns go back to the worship of the Queen of Heaven. You find this in the book of Jeremiah. And in the days of Jeremiah, God rebuked the people of practice with the children, gathered wood, the father kindled the fire, the women needed their dough to make cakes to the Queen of Heaven. So now we have... For Easter, we got the eggs, we got the bunny, and we got the cross buns. Each of these activities were used to worship pagan deities. They call them gods, but they're not really gods. They are demon gods. And so this is where we get all the garbage from when it comes to Easter. So to summing up this particular thing here now, if you are going to be a true Christian. You do not want to simply say this, well, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt, we're going to do the cross buns, and we got the Easter bunny. And of course, now the Easter bunny, you know, you have them made of chocolate. And I remember as a pastor, uh, people you know, would talk about, you know, well, I got an Easter bunny or chocolate, you know, I'm going to eat an ear, you know, and I'm going to eat a little bit this and that and savor it. If you want to be pure, you simply want to get away from all things that are pagan. You don't want to have anything left of pagan traditions. The best we can do is to simply say this, I want to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. And him alone do I want to worship. And I am not going to do anything else that will upset God. Because God is a jealous God. So how can a church, how can a church be blessed on a Sunday morning? First of all, the pastor lied on Friday. They had a what they called a Good Friday service. Here's a pastor talking about Jesus being crucified on a Friday and so on. That's a lie. How can God bless that? Then comes Sunday. Now we have a sunrise service. That was to the sun god, pagan tradition. They just put Jesus into it. Then after the service, we have the Easter egg hunt. We got the Easter bunny. And of course, we got the cross buns and so on. And we have made a total mix of paganism, just like we do at Christmas, paganism with the most precious day of the Christian faith, the resurrection. Understand this, the key, the cornerstone in the Christian faith is that Jesus died for our sins. We believe he was sinless. He's the son of God. He's incarnated, 
Mary was a virgin. She conceived a body. The Holy Ghost is the one that put Jesus into that body. Jesus in, simply incarnated that body. He lived a sinless life. He took our sins on, his, on the cross. By his strap, we are healed. He rose on the third day. And through his death and resurrection, we are saved. So let's make this clear right now. Christianity stands and falls with the resurrection. If we have no resurrection, there's no Christian faith. Everything stands with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the centerpiece of our faith. This is how we get saved. And because of this, this is why we go to get into heaven. How can we then take one of these most precious events, the most basic thing in Christianity, and taint it with pagan traditions, with a sunrise service, Easter bunny, the eggs, the cross buns, and how can we lie to people and everyone is running around on Good Friday having a special service and saying, oh, this is the day Jesus died and so on. And it is a total fabrication. It's a lie. It does not exist. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'm going to read this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that command you this day shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk on them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontless before your eyes. And you shall write them upon your post of your house and on your gates. And it shall be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land, which you swear unto your father, to Abram, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you the great and godly cities which you built. And houses full of good things which you have filled not, and wells dig which you dig not, vineyards and olive trees which you planted not, when you have eaten and be full, then beware lest you forget the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt for the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and shall swear by his name, you shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord your God is the jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and destroy you from all the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. So what is God saying there? He's simply saying this. I want clean worship. I don't want you to pick up any other things that the heathens have around you. God is holy. Jesus is the groom. We are the bride. Let me ask you this. How many women would simply say, well, my husband is unfaithful, you know, but, you know, eh, he needs to have a little bit of fun from now on, you know, so if he has a couple of women on his side now and then, you know, it doesn't matter. No woman in her right mind will do that. She would say, if you are not faithful, you are out of here. No man would allow his wife to hang around with other men. And if the woman says, hey, hey, man, 
I give you five days a week. I just take two days off of my lovers. That man would say, woman, you are out of here. We are done. We commit spiritual adultery continually as Christians. When we take up pagan holidays, we take up pagan traditions, and we do them. And we mix it in. Now, they simply say, you know, when it comes to Christmas, you know, let's put Christ back in Christmas. Christmas is not in the Bible. The apostles did not celebrate Christmas. Christ was never in Christmas. It's a pagan holiday. The pagan things of Easter is paganism. They destroy and deflect from the time that we really should worship the Lord Jesus Christ in purity and in love. And when we commit spiritual adultery, we grieve the Holy Spirit. So why do you think that most churches are so powerless? The Holy Spirit is not really working. We don't have people getting healed. Uh, most churches never cast out demons. What was the last time you saw someone raised from the dead in the church service? You know, there's a lot of things happening. Basically, church is rituals. So, because the Holy Ghost is not moving, the church service consists of a worship service where we sing, doing all kinds of things, prayer time where we pray, usually get unanswered answers, a message from the Word of God, which usually is fluff, and then we have a benediction. If there's a Baptist church, we might have, a, you know, or Pentecostal, we might have an invitation for salvation. Of course, you serve coffee and donuts in, in the foyer in the morning, you know, so people can sit and eat donuts and drink coffee, you know, when I have the sermon there. And, you know, this goes on 52 weeks a year, and there is no power. And they say, well, this is a church. You know, at least people are saved. This is like a bad marriage, but there's no joy. There's nothing. There's no life in a marriage. So I want to share all this with you here today as we have, this is now the Passover week. That is a three things in the Passover week. We have the Jewish Passover. We have the Christian resurrection period. And we have the pagan Tammuz and all his garbage. So three things merging in one week. And we got to sort it out. As a Christian, you don't want to eat the Passover meal again. A lot of Christians do. When you eat the Passover meal, you're actually crucifying Jesus again. It was done. Jesus finished the Passover meal. He took out the bread and the wine, the cup, and said, This do in memory of me. He didn't say, Eat the lamb, eat all these different things, the bitter herbs. He didn't say that. No. He simply said, I take two things out. I am the lamb. I got sacrificed. This is what you do. So we need to purify our worship. Drop everything that is not from God and be pure in our worship. Now, this coming Sunday at Resurrection Life of Jesus Church here in Sacramento in our chapel, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not going to have any other pagan symbols. We're not going to do a morning or even what we call a sunrise service. We want to worship Jesus, to thank our Heavenly Father for giving us His Son. We want to please the Holy Spirit because I want power. I want to walk in the power they had in the book of Acts. 
and we are casting out demons. We are praying for the sick. We have seen people raised from the dead over the years in our ministry. We want to live in the supernatural. So here you are. So tomorrow is Friday, but avoid Good Friday, simple say, this is not the day he was crucified, it was Wednesday. I'm not going to go into a church and, and do that. Do not do a sunrise service. Don't partake in a Easter egg hunt, the rabbit, and anything else. And simply do a clean, beautiful worship. When you think deeply, I am going to go to heaven because Jesus died for me. I don't have to go to the lake of fire because of Jesus. That should be your motive. This is a week that we should thank God for his death and resurrection. Back to you, Sheila. You know what the exciting thing, John, is he is risen. And that's yes. a very important part of this discussion, isn't it? Yes. Very important. And so for people running around and collecting their chocolate and their bunnies and the Easter egg hunts and everything else, they need to really consider the pagan roots of this. And we wouldn't want to have any part of any of this pagan idolatry. So I think that's really important. But communion, that's very, I really recommend that people do communion. Wouldn't you, John? Yes, absolutely. Because when we do communion, uh, it is not magic in itself. But what we do is this, it's, we do it in remembrance of him. And when we eat that bread, we remember he sacrificed his body. And we, we drink that wine, the grape juice, whatever we have, we remember he shed his blood for us. So, John, just give us a quick summary on what we should be doing as we come into this weekend to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. I think that if you, if you go to church where they have an Easter egg hunt, I, I would simply, I wouldn't go to church that day with them because... Um, they invited demons. Children are demonized when they do this. But we, when we partake, for example, in an Easter egg hunt, or if it is a uh, other pagan tradition, uh, this open doors for demons, and children will be picking up demons. So it's going to cost us. And so I think if you if you have a church that is doing this, I think that you should simply just be with your family, be with some friends, and uh, just worship the Lord, sing some songs. Read the scriptures. Uh, matter of fact, the Passover week, the, the two things that I had here is on our website. So I had two things on the website. I have the two Sabbath is one article, and then I had a Passover week where I laid out, as I was teaching here, I was teaching from that, and you get all the scriptures from the series, and uh, you can simply read these scriptures on Sunday and uh, thank God for them, and this will be your sermon. The Passover info is on your site, I know. And also, just so folks know, you do a live broadcast Sunday morning. That would be good to, for folks to be tuned into as well. That is what I myself am going to be doing this Sunday. I'm going to be tuned into John's live. You can see John's sermon live. Again, that is Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So again, John's service, that's Sunday mornings, every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., Pacific Standard Time. And don't forget to bookmark his website. That's eaec.org. John, thank you so much for coming on the program. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, and God bless you for having me. Thanks, John. Folks, that was John Terrell. 
his website again, eaec.org, a very timely message on Easter and Passover. And I think this was a very informative show. And I want to talk to everyone about my Fundly fundraiser. We did reach our goal, and I want to thank everyone for that. I want to remind people this ministry is 100% listener-supported. There is a lot of people eating the meat of this ministry, and I am asking you today to prayerfully become a partner in this ministry. That means getting behind it financially, monthly. Every amount really matters. One-time donations are very much appreciated, but I'll tell you, it's difficult to plan a budget on one-time donations. So really do prayerfully consider becoming a monthly financial partner. And I thank you for that. Well, one more show this week, and then I am off for the rest of April. We are working on getting our video stuff. I'm going to be in Colorado, of course, at the Sharon and Monty Mulkey. That's the West Coast Church of Deliverance event, April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd in Montrose, Colorado. If you can possibly get out to that, it's going to be a powerful event. I myself am going to be there with Carla Butod. It's going to be incredible. If you're anywhere in the area or if you can make it out to that, get there because you're going to meet some like-minded people and you'll forge friendships for life. For more information on that, you can simply go to WCCD.com, Sharon and Monty Mulkey, West Coast Church of Deliverance. And speaking of Sharon and Monty Mulkey, who, by the way, tutored under Frank Ham and Derek Prince, Win Worley. Wow. They are going to be on the program tomorrow on a very, very must-hear, powerful show. You need to tune into that tomorrow. And just a surprise, like I said, sometime in May, I've got some new things coming. I'm launching a new website that's compatible with video. It's an HTTPS. We're getting geared up for some new things, and I'm really excited about that in the weeks ahead. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night, and God bless.